guys, welcome to the. I'm the black Muslim girl. Assalamu alaikum, everyone, and welcome back to the TBMG podcast. Alaikum salam. We have a special guest with us today. Her lovely oh. name. Oh, okay. <laughs> See, I can't roll my. I can't do that. She's one of my favorite guys. I absolutely love Top her. From the she is very a very. Day. Yep, you go ahead. Like from the very first day that I met her. I fell in love with her. I just love her. I just love her, guys. She is amazing. She is beautiful. She is talented. She is exquisite. She is a boss babe, killing it in her field. Her name is, can I get an A? Can I get an M? Can I get an R? Can I get another A? And can I get an N? Did you spell that? Because I did. Amran. Amran. <laughs> Ooh, word, word, word. Let's go. I love that. Word, word, I word. love that intro. I love that. You guys are I love amazing. Amazing. Guys. I've never been introduced like this. <laughs> I love that. Amazing, Killing it in the game. Like, beautiful soul. Beautiful spirit. I feel like you've been to every TBMG event, right? Apart from one. Yeah, I think I've missed one. One, I think, yeah. Yeah, but she's been that every single tbmg event and she comes as a guest and she ends up acting as if she's part of the team like you you would think that she <laughs> yeah. is a member i mean girl i don't know why you want we can talk about that off of the podcast mm-hmm. but yeah like literally guys i absolutely i love amran the last time i saw her at the picnic wallahi you just made my heart flutter like you just just having you there just seeing you glow the conversations we had why do I feel like I'm gonna cry yeah, I feel like I'm being romantic like we had our own little mini picnic after and it was just so good yeah. like you're just good vibes you know what I mean like you're just uh absolute bounty of joy to be around alhamdulillah and I'm so honored to be graced by your presence every day and today most especially and um I want to be graced with your presence more because girl I love you we love you I I I love you from the bottom of my heart I love you peace be the law you are absolutely amazing me and I should speak about you all the time Literally. <laughs> we sound like creeps. <laughs> I mean, yeah, with Amina to the club too. I'm fangirling on, on your Twitter. Like, I'm always reading your um, stuff. I'm like, we, yeah, we, we sound like such creeps. Like, we're just sitting there, like, Amran <laughs> this, Amran that. But no, <laughs> I'm not the work that you do. You're just such a badass. Like, you're just out here. And as a fellow Somali, like, it's just so amazing to see another Somali woman Honestly. killing it in her field. Like, yeah. I love it. Absolutely I love it. Love you. Gorgeous, oh, stunning, so talented, informative. <laughs> Go get her. Girl, this is too much. Oh my god, I'm shaking all in. I'm seeing my smile. Like I can't stop. My cheeks hurt. <laughs> gotta give you oh, flowers while you smell them, and it's not our fault. You have a bunch of roses because you're just so good. 
Oh, that's sweet. That's so sweet. No, honestly, I really, really appreciate it. I didn't. I couldn't even like stop you guys or button. <laughs> but thank you so much. Honestly, like I really appreciate it. I love TBMG. You know, I'm always supporting you guys, whether I'm there or not. Like I support everything you girls do. You're all killing it in your own in your own senses, but you're also killing it all together. And I always listen to the podcast. Um, even though like I no longer commute, like. I will sit down and listen if I have to um, and take a bit of time of work and just, you know, be laughing left, right and centre because that's what you guys do. You really bring joy into my life. And I'm so blessed to, to have been able to meet you guys. Because really you. <laughs> it's funny, like I've met all of you guys in TBMG sort of zones, if you want to call it that, but also outside of that. And I think Instagram is such an amazing platform where we're brought together, where we might have not otherwise have been brought together. So Alhamdulillah, like I feel very blessed to have you guys in my life. Thank you. Oh, and thank you so much for all of the compliments. I'm really bad at taking compliments. I'm just here smiling and that's my way of <laughs> like grateful and my gratitude to you guys, honestly. Could yeah. you, are you crying? Oh no! You, you made oh, the movie. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I love that. It just went dark. It went dark, and then you come out with a smile. I was like, "Well, I'm, I was feeling emotional too, so I'll cry with you if you want." I, was like, <laughs> I thought I was being serenaded for a second. My side welling up. Oh, bless you. Um, but Amran, do you want to introduce yourself? Like, tell us a little bit about what you do, what you're up to yeah tell our listeners sure um so I'm Amran and the girls have already done a great job at bigging me up so I appreciate that um so I'm currently working as a um, research project manager for for the NHS but more so the research arm so I'm actually working on a national COVID-19 study um, and community interventions within our communities um, particularly the Black, African and Caribbean and South Asian communities. Um, I've actually just finished my master's, I'd say a month and a bit ago. So I'm still fresh from the grad style life. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and before that, I had done my bachelor's in biology. So I'm like a STEM major. I would call myself that, even though I don't feel like it at the moment. And I worked in academia, which is one of the ways I kind of got into TBMG. Um, I remember about a year and a half ago, I think I wrote a piece for you guys um, in your blog called Navigating um, Ac- Navigating Academia as a Black Muslim Woman. So I've been there, done that, and I'm back at it again. <laughs> love it. And yeah, I love all things public health. So my master's is in public health, um, but I also love traveling. That's kind of where my Instagram and Twitter kind of started. I'm called The World of Amran, but I'm trying to incorporate more things into those platforms now and utilizing it for the good so I think I'm sacrificing my privacy for the greater good but alhamdulillah you know there's there's something written for all of us and I think I'm finally finding my calling oh I love that introduction I could just sit and listen to you all day I really could oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he said I think there's something for all of us and alhamdulillah I'm finally finding what's for me that is beautiful. Please, can, can we can we make a post out of that and stick it yeah, somewhere? We're, t- we're taking that quote. Go ahead. <laughs> oh my god! How like oh guys, you're in for a treat today, man. Gosh, eight <laughs> minutes in, you're dropping gems. 
<laughs> I, have a question, I have a question but it's not even that deep but i just want to know like where's your favorite place you've traveled to Ooh, okay i think probably mauritius i've been Ooh. i was very lucky to travel to mauritius um whilst i was doing my undergrad that's where i started that's why i started writing about my travels because i realized traveling without your parents um, with pretty much strangers. I think I was in my second year when I first traveled. That was an experience, you know, to be away from home for two weeks, living on your own, no like teachers, nothing like that, navigating a completely different country, island, culture. That was amazing. And I managed to go back again the following year because I did my dissertation on it. And I kind of sweetened up my supervisor. I was like, hey, you know, you don't have enough people to go. Let me go again. And yeah, alhamdulillah, I'd say Mauritius is really where I found my my love for traveling so that's probably one of my favorite places but going home probably tops that now but I think before that I'd probably say I'm Mauritius. Have you have you been to back home a lot or? No so I actually went back home for the first time in my 24 years of life last year um oh, so I went oh, wow. yeah, over Christmas last year so I'd never gone back before uh and that that was something that I think I needed to do for a long time but I managed to do because I always said if I was to go home I need to go with my mum and hopefully my siblings if I can but it's always been really expensive and like you know there's there's all sorts of things sadly going on in Somalia and have been for a long time and my mum hadn't been back like I she went back in 2011 after about I'd say 20 plus years of not going back home so that's probably one of the other reasons why it took us quite a while to go because my mum hadn't been back herself and then going as a family is quite difficult when it comes to finance and just finding the right time to all go because me and my siblings are quite different in age apart from my older brother like we have my younger ones I've got about five years in between my younger brother and me and then another six years between my younger brother and my sister so it's always difficult when it comes to like school and I was in uni my older brother was in uni so it was kind of like finding the right time but alhamdulillah we found the right time last year to go apart from my older brother but the rest of us no that's another story i will get into that at some point <laughs> we didn't all go basically go ahead i got a question here so you see how you said like um there's a lot that's been going on in somalia that still is going on in somalia yeah how do you like maybe amina you can answer this question as well but from a different perspective how do you guys like build the courage to say you know what like we're going back because obviously I, I've got Somali friends and all of that kind of stuff in it and yeah. I have some that um go back literally every other couple of months you would think that they live there and then I have some that are like scared and they're like oh like I don't think I'll ever go um I was speaking to someone the other day and we were talking about like going back home and all of that kind of stuff and they were like I don't think I'd ever take my kids back home. The closest to home I would get is Kenya, but I wouldn't take them back to Somalia. So my thing is like, how do you build that courage to say, you know what, I need to go back home? Aisha, maybe you can answer as well, because now that in Nigeria we have the whole NSARS thing, I don't know if it's changed your perspective on like going, like, it's all interesting, but yeah, that's my question basically. Who do you want to answer? Who who should answer first? Because it's to all of us, isn't it? <laughs> um, at least you go first, baby girl. Okay. 
Um, for me, I guess because one, I wasn't born in Somalia and nor were my siblings and none of us were born in the African continent. So in a way, as much as, you know, I, I say I'm Somali and I am, there has always been a little bit of disconnect because I hadn't experienced living there or visiting there. And I think for me, um, growing up in the Netherlands where we were even more distant away from Somalis because where I grew up, it was literally a white area. Like I was the only black girl, let alone Muslim, like black and being Muslim and a girl. I was like, it was odd because nobody looked like you, nobody, you didn't see anything like that. So I think for me, it didn't really hit me about going back home to Somalia until I was probably in my teens, later teens, when I moved to the UK. So I moved to the UK at age 10. And I feel like that's when I started integrating more into my culture and understanding it more from the perspective of family members, my dad um, and things like that. But still there was a small disconnect because I would say I don't have a big family here in the UK. And, you know, most people assume Somalis have like large families, even like their immediate family. But I, I have three siblings, which it's probably not the norm when people think of Somalis, but it is a thing. Like there are some of us who have like two, three siblings. And I guess at one point it got to me like, okay, I know I've got, I've got cousins, my grandma, my um, granddad, everyone's in Somalia, but this phone call thing wasn't the same thing as actually seeing them. And I think for me, I'd all, I always said I wanted to go back, but my mum was quite scared herself. And that's probably what stopped her from going and also because the fact that she had kids like when she went in 2011 my mum was like and my sister was only like five years old and for her it was like that's big because I'm leaving my child in the care of other people yes their family and I'm leaving to go to a country where it's not necessarily safe if that makes sense like in 2011 there was still a lot of things going on um things that scare people even if they might be from that country and I guess for me I needed to understand and see things from a different perspective and I it really hit me when my grandma passed away in 2017 because my mum wanted to go back that same year and it was the year me and my older brother were both graduating and I remember thinking you know all of these years I've not met any of my grandparents so that was my last um my grandma was the last living grandparent that I had so I didn't I haven't met any of my grandparents and I realized you know all of these years I'm now at an age where it's like okay you're grown you're in your 20s, you've not met your grandparents, okay, like, that wasn't written for you, but you need to make the effort to at least, you know, say to your parents or your, or to show your siblings at least, look, we've got so much family out there back home, we need to see our land, and if I can sort of afford it, I will, I will do it for my family, so that was my gift to my mum, to say, mum, look, I know money might be an issue, but before I decide to pursue like a postgraduate degree and kind of start from scratch when it comes to like working life and things like that, I want to be able to do this for you and for me and for our siblings. So last year, August 2019, I was like, mum, look, I've got Ethiopian Airlines up here right now. I'm going to press book. Are you happy with these dates? And it was it was that thing where I, I was like, mum, let's do it now. And if I hadn't done that right there, who knows, like, the chances of going back right now with COVID and everything makes things so much more difficult. So alhamdulillah, it worked out in that sense. But it, it took a long time of thinking, going back and forth. You know, there's this thing, at least in my family, it's like, yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to go. We're going to go um, Somalia. But unless someone puts their foot down and says, here's, you know, here's the how much it's going to cost. Here's the tickets. Somebody's ready to to do it. And I was that person, I guess, in my family. 
where I said, look, it's, it's time. And I think it was the best decision for me to have done that because I came back almost like a new person because I realised, look, it's one thing knowing your culture from afar, but it's another thing actually going there, speaking to your family, seeing everything yourself um, and not just how it's painted in the media. I think that narrative is what put, puts people off, even if they're from the country. It's just what they see. Like, you can't help what you see sometimes. And that has put something at the back of your mind. And it's like, I don't actually want to go there because all of these things are happening. You know how um, you mentioned how your mum was hesitating at first to go there because it wasn't safe. That's actually very relatable because my mum has that same mentality as well. Um, Because I also wasn't born in Somalia. I was born in Kenya. So when Khadija mentioned um, some families from Somali um, backgrounds will say they might go to Kenya but not Somalia it's like um I was born in Kenya and I spent like the first two years of my life in Kenya so I had already been introduced to like not nurses nursery but close to that because I know the education system is a bit quicker than ours than here so like I was already exposed to that from a young age and then moving to the Netherlands for a while and then moving to the UK so I can imagine I can definitely understand where you're coming from when it comes to like um, feeling a bit disconnected and also when you mentioned about grandparents so I've got one set of grandparents who are in the US so they moved there Um, and then on my dad's side I've actually never met my grandparents all I all I'm aware of based on what my family have told me is that my grandma held me as a baby and that's the only memory that I've got um that's not even mine so I can definitely understand like how you know when they talk about oh yeah let's go back home and visit family and then that never happens I think it's quite um good that you put your foot down I think at the time for me I was too young by the time my grandparents both passed away um so I think that's a very common story amongst um Somali families that don't live in Somalia anymore and I think there is always that conversation of going back home how safe it is how it's portrayed in the media because even within Somalia there's different regions there's different areas and in for me personally I'm from a region where we have our own language as well on top of Somali so it's like there's also things to consider around that and how we engage with the rest of the country so I I, I definitely do remember and still do have these conversations with family it's like okay we want to go back and visit the homeland but it's like how do we engage with the people back home because for me it's like even though I can understand bits of Somali it's not my first language in the country um from my background so it's like how would I personally engage with my country outside of language food and those parts of the culture so I can definitely understand what you, what you say when you talk about like a lack of, a, a lack of connection to the motherland like you know that's where your parents heritage is and that's where their history and their stories from but then it's like there is this gap where it stems from them trying to seek safety and refuge and then you're sort of caught up in that mist and you're now at a stage where you're grown and you're like okay I really do want to connect back to my roots I really want to engage and and you know contribute to the country because that's another conversation that we're always talking about how to give back to Somalia when you go there you're going to build all these things and it's like just trying to navigate around that like how what is the best way for people like us who have moved around so much growing up and it's made such a big part of our upbringing how do we connect to our roots again and our heritage 
the way our parents have when they grew up. So I can definitely relate to a lot of things you're saying. I think it's a very, very common theme. And I think it's quite interesting how you've gone about that. So, yeah, I, th- I think that's quite cool. I really think it's cool. And I can definitely relate. Let's hold on to that. Um, you said something. What did you say? You said um, giving back, giving back. Let's hold. I, I, I still want your answer. Oh, these damn headphones. Sorry, guys. Um, I still want your answer, but let's. I think after we should move on to the um, giving back conversation because yeah. I always think that's a very, very um, interesting like, yeah. conversation. But yeah, go on. What was the original question again? Sorry, I was. How I was really you... engaging with everything everyone was saying, but I forgot what the original how question was. You... <laughs> it, it was. It was essentially how do you build courage to go back home? But oh. I don't think for I think, us it's a matter yeah. of. It's yeah, we've never, it's not even been, yeah. I've been I mean I've been going back to Nigeria since I was a baby and like up until I was about maybe 11 or 12 we would go back every single year so like every summer like guaranteed I knew that's what I was doing for six weeks I was going to Nigeria um I think now it's kind of trying to navigate that by myself I've not been to Nigeria by myself and there've been times where I want to where I've been to my mom like I want to go I want to go I want to go but it's not even a matter of like the safety kind of thing but it's just a matter of trying to navigate Nigeria by myself like I've not had that experience I don't know how to do it and you know our motherlands are not they don't function in the same way that this country does like it's not as easy to be I personally don't find it as easy to be independent I over there I feel like I need someone to help me do every single little thing and that's I guess that's my biggest struggle with going back home because I'm so used to being independent here and not having to rely on anyone to like do anything so um yeah it's not really much of a courage but there was something that um Amran said about connecting with family and um that is funny because when we were thinking about the conversation earlier I was thinking about um my family and all the relationships that we have in Nigeria and I and it's been something that I've been thinking a lot more about as I've been getting older as to like how long those relationships are going to last because I feel like with being grown being brought up here there's been an automatic disconnect and separation in our relationship that's forever going to change the way in which my side of the family now interact with all my other family back in Nigeria because we're here and our relationships at the moment are very much made through our parents so I'm kind of going through a thing now where I'm thinking okay especially as the oldest as well I'm thinking okay how do I maintain certain relationships with not even just like blood family but you know those people that become like family that you're like I actually don't know how we're related or if we're related but I keep thinking about all those kind of people and how those relationships and the relationships with their families are going to continue as time goes on so um that's kind of like the main thing that I've been thinking about over the last couple of years um just as i because I've, I've realized that these people are so important in our family and like my mom will talk about people that have been in their in their lives since she was a little girl and I keep thinking to myself okay but once you know I don't want I don't want to say it but you know once you know you know um <laughs> sorry like was there, let's say. <laughs> yeah, you know was what's gonna happen like so 
yeah it, it's a it's it's actually something that does keep me up at night sometimes if I think about it too much but um yeah yeah that's kind of a conversation that I have with myself all the time it's How interesting you, you mentioned the eldest can I can I just add there's something you yeah, mentioned yeah. about being the eldest yeah. I feel like when you're the eldest in this sort of environment there's almost like a an added responsibility for you to set the pace with yeah. how the rest of the younger ones are going to interact with um, your family's heritage and culture. Yeah. Um, and I've even noticed that just in terms of how we speak our own languages in the house, like I feel yeah, like for yeah. me personally, there's a big gap in how I talk to my parents in my language in comparison to my siblings, simply Same. because um, most of my siblings were born here in the UK and not where I was born in Kenya so it's like even just with stuff like language you are interacting with your roots and connections in so many different ways and that's your immediate family so I think it's very important how you said like there's certain things that do keep you up at night in terms of like family relations because I think even amongst the immediate family just amongst your siblings is that the same mentality that they all hold and is that dependent on a number of things like how they've grown up age the age gap um, so I think it's quite interesting you brought that up because that is something that has also played in my mind as well. Like there is that extra pressure where you don't even know where you fit in because you feel disconnected in so many ways. So, yeah, I think that's a really good point that you brought up there. Yeah. I'm not even sure where the pressure comes from, whether it's self-imposed mm. or... <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's there. It's there. I feel you on that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's heavy. It is heavy. How about you? um you, you have, do you yeah do you have a lot of family here don't you or ha, like do yeah you... i got a lot of family here and then i mm, do i have a lot of family here i mean all my mum's sisters are here so family from my mum's side are here and then my dad's side let's not even get into that I don't really be knowing who they are. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. But my dad's side, it's not as much as, like, my all my dad's siblings, basically, are back home. Um, so he's just got, like, his cousin, like, the odd cousin here and there or whatever. But I think for us, it's actually really, really different, actually, you know? Because I was just, like, thinking about what you guys were saying about how the effects of you being the elder sibling and how that kind of translates onto your other sibling but in this household it's so different because it's so the last I can't I haven't been to Nigeria in a very 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 long time like very long time it's kind of similar to Amran actually so the last time I was in Nigeria was when I was two years old Two. That is God. Oh, wow. Yeah, God knows how long, many years ago. You don't, that was. Do you remember anything, do you? But no, nothing. Yeah. I just wow. see pictures and I'm just like, okay, who's that? <laughs> I just realised something. All you guys have actually gone and visited back. I've never gone and visited back, neither my birthplace in Kenya or Somalia. I've never visited at oh, all. I, I so. personally wouldn't consider mine a visit as well because <laughs> I don't remember anything. So when I think about the places I've been, Nigeria actually doesn't come to mind because I, I do not remember anything. Um, and it was kind of similar to Amran where it's like, oh yeah, we're going to go, we're going to go, we're going to go, we're going to go, we're going to go. And we just never got around to it. But 
somehow my mum and dad keep going. Interesting. You know, like my dad just came back from being there a year and six months. Hey, what's going on? Ah, that is interesting. I find that a lot. But, um, sorry, I don't want Nigerian household. Yeah, 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 I find yeah, that I a lot of times get parents common. keep going back, but yeah, you're just hitting different and it's not hitting me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Very <laughs> common. Um, but yeah, I think it's all it's it's a bit weird here because my older brother he goes back whenever the hell he wants. Um, so he doesn't wait for no one. He will go to Nigeria. Like he normally goes to Nigeria every December before going to Nigeria in December became a thing. So he's been doing that for like the mm. past, I think, five years or so. One day he just told my mum and dad, look, I'm going to Nigeria. Um, my mum being my mum, she was scared. No, no, you can't go by yourself. It's crazy because mm. I feel like my mum will probably allow us to go to any country by ourselves, but not Nigeria. Like, And I think it goes down to what you were saying, Aisha, about like independence. There's something about going back home where... You need someone. You I just feel like you can't go back home no. on your one. And it's I think it's really, really it'll be interesting to actually speak to someone that's done it. But yeah, mm. over here it's a bit it's a bit comsy comsa. It's it's a bit all Can over the place. Yeah, go on. Your brother, do you know what spurred him on like the first time he just decided to just up and go? Um, like and and does he have like was there like was he going with friends or seeing friends or was it just like he just went? Nah, he was going with friends. But when it comes to like out of all the siblings, I would say me and him are the most culturally invested in Nigeria. So it, it, when he said he was going to Nigeria by himself, no one was actually surprised. The guy's got a whole Nigerian passport. He doesn't get a, like he's. Like, he's got his British passport, he's got his Nigerian passport, he's sorted. So when he said he was going to Nigeria, it wasn't like a big, oh my gosh, wow. It was just like, it was coming anyway. Like, you would think he was born in Nigeria, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I think the thing that, that, when it comes to thinking about back home, I think the thing that kind of... Um, the thing that makes me feel a little bit out of place, should I say, is not necessarily family, because I feel like over the years I've I've built a relationship with my cousins back home. Well, some of them anyway. My granddad used to come and go. He doesn't anymore. What a naughty man. Um, but it's so I feel like if I was to go back home, it would be vibes. It wouldn't be like oh who's this or who's that because I. Sp- of them like when they're speaking to my mom I'll speak to them on the phone or whatever it is I don't know if you lot's mom do that but it's like you'll be yeah. walking past the room and then she'll be like oh um somebody yeah. wants to say hello to you. yeah I'm like who's this the hell is a baby <laughs> okay I'm supposed to remember that <laughs> yeah you know I just wanted to go to the toilet in peace now I'm on the phone how are you and like oh, okay let's speak <laughs> it's cute but the thing that worries me uh like, you know, Amran, you were saying about, like, let's go back and see land and all of that kind of stuff. I think the thing that worries me is the fact that, obviously, we grew up here, my parents live here, but they have assets back home. So my thing, the thing that kind of keeps me awake at night is, like, there's going to come a time where we have to take, me and my siblings, have to take responsibility for that. Like, 
what happens when obviously Aisha didn't want to say what what she wanted to say but whenever what happens happens what is going to happen with all of the things that they've built back home do you get what I mean and I think that's what really really gets to me even like prime example uh the TBMG school it's like okay like okay cool but it's all the way in Nigeria do you know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's not down the road. I can't, like, it's all the way in Nigeria. Now that is something that I can't play. You got to be responsible for. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even if I wanted to play a blind eye to it, I can't play a blind eye to it. Like, there's going to come a time where I'm going to have to take full responsibility over it and all of that kind of stuff. So I think that's kind of what, um, that's kind of what keeps me up at night because it's like, one like okay like am I gonna have to live there like how do you uh, timing how do you balance timing you want to have a family like what do you do and you know when it comes to land and all of this kind of stuff it's like all my mum and dad's kids were all here so it's like okay what are they gonna do with like it's 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 something that really does um that is something that definitely keeps me up at night because I'm like, Khadija, you can't play a blind eye to it. You can't act like certain things aren't there. Do you know what I mean? Like you can't act like you're just going to build your life in the Western world or wherever the hell you think you're going to build your life and not pay attention to the fact that you have responsibilities back home, whether you like it or not, which kind of ties into the whole giving back to back home sort of thing. Um, which I am I'm in two minds about it. I used to like the idea of it, but I'm not sure if I like the idea of it anymore. Cause I feel like when we talk about giving back home, we're talking from a place of privilege. And it's very much, oh, the diaspora, yeah, we need to go back home and and yeah, we're so educated, you know, we went to this and that and the other place, and we're not silly and we're not we're not corrupted, so we need to go back home and, and give Africa what Africa deserves and yada, 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 all of that talk, which I used to be with the thought of, yeah, like, yeah, like, get the education and go back home and do this and that. But now when I think about it, I think it's so disrespectful to think like that because having that notion is basically saying that there's no one on ground back home that can do the job so we're just going to swoop in with our privilege of being able to literally dip and dive whenever we want um we're gonna we're, we're not we're not going to give you guys the opportunity to to rebuild Africa and rebuild the life that you guys deserve but we're just going to swoop in and do it for you you know why because you guys can't do it and we think you're not good enough um and that's why I'm not really with the I'm not really with the whole giving back thing anymore I feel like unless you're supporting the people that already live there that's the best form of giving back but not you going there and saying this is what we're doing kind of like with the whole NSARS thing um and people were trying to tell the people in Nigeria what to do and it's like but you're sitting from the comfort of your home you ain't got no like okay yeah there's police brutality but not to the extent that what's going on in Nigeria right now do you know what I mean you're going to sleep peacefully at night so of course you can tweet do this do that rather than listen to um 
what the people actually have to say. So that's kind of where I stand with the whole, oh, let's give back. Ooh, gonna march into Africa. Yeah, I think I think you kind of literally just summed up my kind of thing as well because I definitely growing up was like, yeah, I'm gonna go back to Nigeria one day and I'm gonna build this and I'm gonna build that and I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that. But now I'm just like, Aisha, like, why would you go and do that when there's people there that are fully capable of doing it themselves and I I know people that are fully capable of doing it so actually what my mum my mum's part of like so many I don't know if your parents would do this but my mum's part of so many different like whatsapp groups like that um Mm -hmm. give to uh charity so what one of her particular groups do is they like give money to like women who want to start up their own businesses so they're giving these women that are there money to you know start stuff that is like helping their communities and helping their children helping their families and I feel like stuff like that works so much better than me coming with my western um privilege going to go and build a school that nobody asked for you know and mm-hmm. you know calling it Aisha Ribi international school international. Like to... <laughs> yeah, because Nigeria is like international and I'm like why is it international this school in the middle of nowhere is called so and so international school what, what is that they love an international school and I just feel like the thing is if I was going to go and do something at education I would go and I would go and help a school that's already there you know I would donate to that school I would ask that school what they need but I think we need to we we accuse white people a lot of the times with having um that white savior attitude but actually we have it ourselves and we can't go and do the same things that we're accusing white people of doing back in our own countries just because we look like them doesn't mean we 100% 100% get them do you know do you know what I mean the same way so um one thing I have been thinking about though throughout this whole conversation is white people do not have the same stresses <laughs> that we have at all, <laughs> at all. At all. <laughs> because I'm like I do not know any white person that is being kept up at night because they're thinking oh my god my parents have a, a, a home have land back like none of this yeah but um they just think anyways anger's a match well, they're, they're probably they've already got that adva- well it depends on class and stuff but even then, oh yeah of course yeah, at least they've got, like at least they've got that head start like for a lot of our families we came to this country to seek refuge so we're not even starting at the starting line we're in the changing rooms that's where our start line is we're not even at the start of the race like we're building from below ground zero to get to zero in the first place Whereas even with like white demographic, at least like for the most part, they're starting from the start line and they have like some sort of um, linear progression with a lot. I I can't speak for all diaspora. I think I'm going to have to respectfully disagree, (laughs) respectfully disagree. And I say that to say I've realised that there's something that we as young Brits, a lot of young Brits do actually, where it's like we take on our parents' struggle and our parents' trauma, where if we're actually being realistic, it's not ours. So like, you see how like your whole change in your narrative. I I personally wouldn't say that I'm in the changing room. I would give that to my parents. I would say, your parents were the ones that were in the changing room yeah and that's sort of what I would have the kind of yeah. like oh oh I thought I thought you meant yeah, not it, like, me no 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 of, I grew up here no, no, no. yeah um, I'm talking about in terms of 
heritage, if that makes sense. Like so generational heritage, almost like yeah, like generational wealth and that sort of linear progress. Oh, like, right, right, if right, I'm gonna you, be you. like, because with I'm gonna give an example for my parents. I probably can't speak for everyone, but with my parents and how they've grown up and how they moved here, for a lot of my family members, they're not starting at the finish line. They've escaped and they've tried to seek refuge wherever. And with a lot of them, like, for example, like I have a lot of family members who had qualifications, they had stuff back home, but they've come now into a country where none of that matters. None of that is um, considered. So yeah, like for a lot of, I have a lot of relatives, including my immediate family, where they've come into a country where none of their qualifications count. Nothing, like a lot of the things that they had back then does not count in a country like this. So it's like, you're not even starting at the starting line. You're literally going from ground minus whatever to get to ground zero, first and foremost. So I feel like that's how I experience um, with that. Obviously, it's not my struggle. It's my parents' struggle, which filtered and influenced how I've grown up. So I guess from my personal perspective, I feel like I'm at the starting line because I'm the first generation that has now settled here after whatever my after all the things that my parents have given up to bring us up in a place where there's safety. So it's like my interaction when it comes to going back home and um, living there eventually, it's sort of been a mixed bag because growing up, like I knew that my dad especially has connections back home in terms of helping. So like my dad and his mates set up, built a school and has set up the system where every month they gather money and they give a cert- they give a certain amount each month to pay children's school fees and to pay the teachers the salaries that they need. So that's what I've grown up um, being influenced by. I've never I've never really had like a deep full on conversation about going back home, settling there permanently, and building X Y Z. It always came from a perspective of this is what you've got, this is what you can give, but also know that how you experience. Um, your heritage and how you live and learn about where you're from is very different to the people that live there on the ground. So I've actually never really had that urge to like, yeah, I want to go back to Somalia one day and live there and build a family. I've actually never had that urge, to be honest. And I think it's just because of how my family talk about Somalia and how they've grown up. And I think it's also added on top of the fact that my mom and dad are not from the same tribe. So they experience living in Somalia very differently, um, which I didn't think was a thing when I was a kid. But as I've grown up, I was like, oh, wow. OK, cool. So like with my mom, I think she has more connection with other groups of Somalis because of the region she grew up on. Where, whereas with my dad, for example, he grew up in Somalia and he was born there, but he traveled quite a lot before all these wars were happening in the country. So he has a very he has a slightly different way of engaging with the country than my mom, for example. And I think both of those perspectives have influenced me. Like with my dad, he's like, yeah, go back home, help do this, this and that. Whereas my mom's a bit more on the hesitant side. Like guys, you do realize there's a political mess in this country. It's not as easy. We have to be wary of X, Y, Z. And I think that also just filtered in my extended families because with my family, they mixed with different groups and tribes and regions within the country. So I feel like that's probably influenced how I feel about the whole going back to country because I feel like do I want to end up being a gentrifier because if all of us go back and we've got the education and we've got the qualifications how do you know that we won't be the ones to drive the locals there into further poverty and push them away from those opportunities so my perspective is more of 
what do I currently have now based on the upbringing in the UK as a as a British Somali and what can I do from here with the knowledge that I do have outside of Somalia to contribute to the people of Somalia without taking away their experience and without what Khadija said, like assuming that they don't know any better. Because for a lot of um, people in Somalia, it's like, it's not that they don't know, it's that some of a lot of them are operating from a place of survival. So while they're trying so hard to exist in the present, they might not have the opportunity and the privilege to be thinking about their future because they're literally trying to think, how do I put food on, on the table? How do I survive this month? How do I survive this day, next week, whatever it is? And I think that's where we bridge the gap. Because for us, look, we, we're sitting here comfortably like thinking like, oh yeah, in five years time, I want to be here. Whether it's on a career level or personal level, whatever it is, we have that privilege. Whereas for a lot of people back home, they don't have that. For them, it's like, am I going to have a family in the next five years? Are they going to be alive? Am I going to be alive? Kind of thing is they're operating more from a survival p- perspective. So I, based on that, I've realized like where I know I can give is more of bridging that, those two realities. I know my reality in terms of planning my future is very different than a Somali local that's planning for their future and their family's future. So how do I now find that middle ground where we're actually benefiting them and not taking away further from that. I think that's where that whole conversation of, do you just want to come into a country and gentrify it, essentially? Um, I, I think that's where I personally stand. And I think that's been influenced a lot by how my parents engage with back home. Um, my dad and his family, they've always been, they've always operated from a mindset of like, okay, how do we give back to locals? How do we give back to locals? So that's what I grew up knowing. Like, Every every job I've ever had, even up until now, like there's always been a system in place where a certain portion of my income is helping people actively on the ground. And that's how I interact and connect with my country. So it, I think for us, diaspora, a lot, regardless of what country it is, I think it's more about how do we bridge the gap between the privileges that we have and the people back home who are operating from a mode of survival for the most part? Where do we Where do we bridge that gap? I think that's where I stand with all this. I agree. I I think, yeah, yeah, there's one thing as well. It's okay to not want to go back home and live there. Mm -hmm. I think that's another thing that we don't discuss as well. Like uh, in the day and age of being so um, pro-black and pro-Africa and, you know, like this is my people, let my people go and all of that kind of stuff. (laughs) I think <laughs> what we in ancient Egypt. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I think it's also important to understand that um, you don't you don't have to want to go back to your homeland and live there for change to happen. Because I know for me personally, I have no intentions of wanting to move back to Nigeria and living there. It doesn't mean that I don't love my country. It doesn't mean that I don't want to help. It's just I have no, it's just not something that I personally um, would want to do. And I feel like, go on, ask a question. I want to ask a question off of that. It sounds like, I wanted to know, where do you feel that pressure comes from for us in the diaspora to think that we either have to, that we have to move back home to make those changes? It's interesting because I don't know where we built this this, this kind of um, I think it's from our parents. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know, I you know. I, I feel I more pressure from the people back home. Yeah. Like there's an assumption from the members. Yeah. I was going to say that um, 
I don't think it's parents. I agree with them. I agree more with the people that is from the people back home. But I also think it's from the people that are trying to create change. I feel like along the way mm, of yeah. talking about change, oh, yeah. somewhere within their within their story, they've made it out to seem like, well, unless we're moving back to Nigeria and actually living there, then change can't happen. We all need to move back to Nigeria and all of this kind of it's stuff, okay. which I personally uh, don't. I I personally don't agree with. I don't see myself picking up my bags and starting a life in Nigeria. But like Amina said, there's always going to be that bridge where I can do what I need to do from wherever it is in the world that I am. But I don't think I need to live in Nigeria for, for change to happen. But I think that's something, like I said, I think it's something that we don't speak about um, enough and I feel like some people sometimes feel guilty for not wanting to go back to live in their homeland mm-hmm. and yeah it's actually it, the thing is okay. there's no it's okay thing, yeah yeah there's no rule that says that we have to I mean let's think about it if slavery didn't happen would we be here no we wouldn't to be honest we'll probably be back home but Slavery has happened. It's it's spread us across the world. Um, I do have a question then for all of you um, as diaspora. So do your parents have still have the mentality that they want to go back home and that they're only here in the West temporarily? That's my question for you. This is the thing. You know, with parents, yeah, they have this thing where like, oh, yeah, I can't, the UK is not for me. I feel like that's the mindset they came with. They came because they're they're projecting their survival sort of mindset onto their children. And then they've moved here now. And then we've we've grown up a life that's very different to theirs. But for them, I think for a lot of African parents in general, they already have that mentality when all my kids are good and settled and well, why do I need to stay here? They have that sort of mentality. Like I know with my family, they definitely do. It's like once all my kids are good, they're educated, they've got their thing, they're settled, married, whatever it is, why do I need to stay here? This is not for me. I, I, I moved here out of survival to give my kids a better life. I feel like a lot of Somali parents, in my opinion anyway, have come with that mindset. They didn't do it for themselves as individuals. It's more of like, I want a better future for my family rather than me as an individual. So I feel like that that's why like initially I was like maybe that pressure that we feel where we feel guilty that we don't want to go and settle back home I think it might indirectly be for me personally a projection on my own parents when they say oh I'm not planning to stay here for the rest of my life like you know um I think it comes from that because they already have this mindset I just want my kids to face their books build a good life for themselves this is why I I risked I risked so much to get here in the first place so they didn't come to the UK for it to be their permanent home they came here because they wanted a better life for all of us so I think because they operate from that perspective sometimes we get wrapped up around that not realizing that we don't have the exact same upbringing as our parents because we have grown up in a completely different environment and had an upbringing from parents that are trying to adapt in a country that they didn't never experience until they moved here and I feel like when you take all of that into account yeah it does feel weird sometimes when I'm thinking yeah well I don't see myself living permanently back where my family grew up and where they were born and 
their background but they see it as that way like that's I don't know if you guys have that conversation like I have personally with my parents they're like yeah when I'm old what, what am I doing here if all of you guys are good I want to go back home because they yeah, have that you know attachment what? to home which completely makes sense for me yeah that makes sense do you know what I mean like yeah understandable it, yeah. I would I would find it weird if there was a there was a parent that that that's from back home and, and they're like no I want to die yeah I'm not going nowhere yeah what 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 have you been drinking mate but um I think for, when it comes to our parents I think it makes a lot of sense when they say that they want to go back home because really and truly with them home is where the heart belongs and a lot of them came like my mum and dad came here when they were really young so I think my dad came when he was 20 my mum came when she was 21 that's not really young but I mean it is quite young on a grand scheme of things you've lived in you've lived in a certain place 20 years of your life it's all you know you don't know anything else you see the same people same culture same jokes and then all of a sudden you're in this new world where you're mixing with people that don't look like you talking to people that don't talk the same as you and you're adapting you know you're adapting you're adapting you're adapting but that doesn't mean that just because you've adapted you're always going to fit in and that's why you you get our parents that are always either doing something back home or always buying five pound phone card to call back home and all of this kind of stuff because it's like thank god for whatsapp (laughs) yeah they've gone for whatsapp but it's not whatsapp called but it's like even though they've left home they've still left a huge part of them back home and I think that's Mm. what they're going back to they're going back to the part of them that they've left at home for me for example I can't now say, oh, I'm going back home because I've left something back home. I think it would be the yeah. reverse. It would be me going yeah. back home and me adapting. Whether I like it or yeah. not, this place that I am now, this is my actual home. It's your home. This is where I was born. Yeah. This is where I know. Whether we like it or not. Um, so, yeah, I just think it's okay. Like, it's actually okay to yeah. say, look, hey, I don't want to go and live in my homeland because I know yeah. I don't I want to go live in Saudi or Kuwait I've been screaming that what shoot me and it's interesting because <laughs> shoot me we've grown up in a world where there's globalization now so we have mm. access to so many different parts of the world like I'm more engaged with the idea of being a digital nomad for example like mm. popping up to whatever country if I can afford to live there for a while move somewhere else do this do that and I think that already adds like a spanner to the works because even though we feel like this place is home, our parents came to this country knowing that they don't, that this is not their primary language that they're speaking. The people that they're trying to integrate with don't even like them like that. And they have to start from scratch or even below that. That was, for them, it's like from the jump, they just knew. Like even when, we, when they talk about going back home, like if we were to talk about going back home, we'd be like, oh, but what about our friends? And what about the community that we built here? Da, 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 da. Our parents don't engage in the same way, to be honest. Like, I don't know, maybe with my family, for example, they don't have like personal, personal close friends that don't have an attachment to the community, the Somali community, for example. So I don't think it would be as much of a heavy uprooting as it would be for us. Like we would be uprooting our lives and our upbringing to go back home. Whereas for them, it's literally home. And 
they are they did the reverse of what we would have to do like you said Khadija so I feel like with our parents it makes sense it's just we as diaspora people we need to be a bit careful and not take on that mentality of survival because we're not surviving in the same reality as them per se we're more surviving from a place where this is where we've grown up we've been educated here we learned the language we've integrated here and we're growing up here we've made our connections we've built our roots here as diaspora children and this is where we are rooted whether you see it however you see it as a home um and I think that's the difference that sometimes we don't distinguish and I think that's why like for me Percy it doesn't doesn't, there's an added pressure as well because it's like you're having to take into consideration the fact that your parents do want to go back home it's an intention they've said from the jump and you don't and then you're trying to think okay if they go back and I don't feel the same way like is that going to cause another set of things to think about in terms of maintaining my connection with my own parents now like when that time comes if it comes you know like there's just so many layers to it and it's just like I feel like there's an added pressure to first generation um diaspora to think about all these things whereas with my parents with our parents they have that game plan from the jump for us it's like oh yeah I would like this but I would like that and then now we're in a digital age where we can live wherever we want and we can travel and do that and it's like our parents never had the opportunity it still sounds very foreign to them so it's like how do you balance all of that and how do you take all of that into account and still stay rooted in your culture and your heritage mm. I think that's something I mean I've, think I've got a Aisha, did you want to say something after that? I, I, I've got a question for Amran. Yeah, I just wanted to say how um, it's interesting because growing up, my, I think my mum's um, perspective has actually changed because, well, not change changed, but as in like, I think when I grew, when I was growing up, I kind of like just imagined that there'll be a time when her and my dad, like once my youngest sister went to uni, they'd go to Nigeria. My dad actually ended up going back to Nigeria a lot earlier and has been like, back and forth back and forth like working out there and coming back every now and like often yeah but with her like as time time's gone on I think because she came here at 15 so she was been so she's been here for like 15 40 like almost 40 years so even though but there's still there's still Nigeria is very deeply entrenched in her Mm. so but even she can feels like an outsider because she has spent so much time here so it's kind of like not necessarily going back completely and like completely starting a whole new life because essentially that's kind of what she would be doing but having that balance of coming back and forth back and forth back and forth and I think also knowing that her kids are here and knowing that my younger two sisters they're never going they're never moving to Nigeria I know that for a fact those two are never going I'm probably the only one that would consider doing some sort of like a back and forth back and forth type of thing but even then like this is my home and that's that's another point I wanted to mention because I grew up kind of feeling like I don't know if anyone else felt this but I grew up kind of feeling like I was kind of betraying my Nigerian side if I said I was British or if I felt British or if I considered this as home but now and I think a lot of it has to do with actually being in a space where I've connected with a lot of other black young British people particularly other Nigerians as well but I think now that I'm in a space where I'm with people like myself I realize that actually 
whether I like it or not, there are going to be things about me that are so inherently British that I can never, ever change about myself. And that is okay. And that it's okay for Britain to be my home and for me to be okay with it. Because I had an auntie back in Nigeria one time tell me off because I said, oh, I'm looking forward to going back home. She said, this is your home. I was like, I'm sorry. I didn't know. I didn't know. But (laughs) and it's like, so I was confused. I was like, so what? Nigeria is my home and the UK is not my home, but I grew up in the UK and now you're telling me it's not my home. Like, what the hell? So I guess a message to everyone that's ever like having difficulties with that identity is that no one else should choose your identity for you and choose what Mm -hmm. is home for you. It's up to you, like what you what you feel is home and how you choose to identify if you're a Nigerian British Nigerian like myself and you don't feel British that's fine but for those of us that are having like conflicting identities like it's okay to be both like unfortunately slash fortunately we are here (laughs) and (laughs) we might remain here interesting my question was um so the first the first one was oh gosh what's going on speak girl (laughs) <laughs> the first question was do you see yourself moving anywhere to live other than here that was actually the question like do you see yourself um moving moving basically I want to know where and why yeah <laughs> <laughs> for me it's not about destination per se but it's more about how I feel being in this country so I'm gonna take you back a little bit because I wasn't born here and I wasn't born in Somalia and I was born in the Netherlands where black people had always been the minority and then I grew up in a place where you know there's ancestors of all of these people owning this land and all of that so I've never seen black people before and I remember thinking as a kid wow, like I don't belong here. And my mum made the decision to move us out there after a while because she said we need some kind of family, cultural, religious context, which is why we came to the UK. But after having been in the UK now for 15 years, I still look around and feel like I'm the odd one out wherever I'm in. Like apart from, you know, where we've found these safe spaces like TBMG and other areas where I've been able to connect with people who look like me, in the working life, again, still, I, I can't really identify with people most of the time. Even in uni, it's like, just even being from a certain part of London, it's like, wow, you're from there, what the hell? Like, we didn't expect you to be from here. And it's like, okay, when when are we going to get to a point where we will be accepted for who we are, whether that's how we look, whether that's, you know, what we believe in or, you know, the colour of our skin or what we wear or whatever. And then I think, like, I actually don't like this country to an extent when it comes to those things. No, when it comes to those things, like, of course, I've grown up here. I've gone to school here. I've got friends. I've got family. But at the same time, like, my mum, she will leave. Like, I was having this conversation with her and she said to me, yes, you know, once your sister turns 18, so my sister's 14 at the moment, I'm out. And then she was actually, like, more recent, like, more recent, like, after we went to Somalia, because it was me, my mum, and my sister ended up going. My mum came back, and especially during the pandemic, when she hadn't been working and things like she was like, I was like, mum, do you want to go back, like, earlier? Because the way this whole thing is looking like, this is going to be a new digital age, like, working from home is going to be normal. And I know you don't want to be here. Like, you want to be You know, (laughs) and it's like, if, although I 
you know, I don't have the same circumstances as my mom and she came here, you know, to give us a better life. At the same time, for me, I I don't know where home is. And I so think that's, that's why I don't know where, that's why I, I, I want to leave, but I wouldn't necessarily know where to go. So for me, it's like, I need to experience living elsewhere. That's one of the biggest things. That's why I say I want to leave so that I can experience, even if it's for a short, short period of time, like a year or two, I want to be able to experience being somewhere else and seeing if that changes anything. But at the same time, when we go back to the, the notion of going back home, I do want to go back home in that sense to an extent. But I think because when I went back, I didn't go for a long period of time. It was less than a month. Like I couldn't imagine, you know, what it would be like to be there for six months, a year. And, you know, I've got quite, I know quite a lot of people who've, you know, been sent back. Like, like everyone, everyone knows about this. And it's like you're being sent back to to take up your culture basically and to understand things because your parents think you are being whitewashed basically in in the west pretty much and i'm sure that's something a lot of other diaspora may have heard of or seen other people do and it's like maybe i do need to experience being back home for me to understand where home where the term home is and whether or not the term home can be where you make it or where your ancestors are from or where you were born or where you live because for me like there's been so many different steps in my life where I've moved or I haven't felt like I'm home so that's probably why I would want to and it's kind of why I pursued a degree that would open those kind of doors for me so I would in my case I would I would like to work like for the for a while like to make money and that but also to work in a different country so like when Nija was saying you know going to Kuwait or Saudi that's something that I would want to sort of pursue at some point and to understand but like if it's written for me it's written for me but you know we can make the intention at least that's such a Somali answer (laughs) (laughs) that's literally the 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 nomad yeah vibe literally um and it's quite interesting you've said that about working because um I'm now in an industry where I can work from whatever country I want to really if I've got an internet connection and this whole pandemic has actually sped that intention up slightly because now I'm thinking, because I don't live at home. I don't live with my parents. I live out alone. So it's like now I'm thinking of this is a, a home as well. But now we've got the pandemic. And like you said, working from home is going to be normal. Um, home can be anywhere where you feel safe and comfortable. But then it's like, but how do I know that I might not experience that back home home, wherever that whether it's Somalia or Kenya, whatever. So it's quite interesting you brought that up because that conversation comes up in Somali households so much. Like even amongst parents, I'm, I've noticed even with my own mom, like she's considered living in other countries before she goes back to Somalia. So I'm just thinking, hold on a minute, this is now another layer. So yeah, your answer was so Somali. <laughs> could not stop laughing. There was something you said that I wanted to jump, like ask you, Oh, what it what it was was when you were saying about you want to go home, but you want to try you want to try out living back home, but for like a short period of time. Is that what you were saying? Yeah. So my point was, how yeah. do you know where you see yourself in the future unless you've tried it out? Yeah. So like I'm saying I don't really see myself yeah. here necessarily for a long period of time, but it might be a thing where you know you are traveling back and forth, or you are yeah. from one place to another. So it really depends because my at least my family connection in the UK is very small. Like m- all of my like um, um, my aunties, uncles, either from my dad's side, all in Somalia, 
from my mum's side, half of them are back home or they're in other parts of the West, like in America. I have a lot of family in America, you know, cousins and um, things in France. And in Let other me countries, guess, are they in Minnesota? No, actually, no, they're in Arizona. Yeah. Was it you? Is it you, Amina, with family in Minnesota? Minnesota, Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Ohio. I know that's, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I thought I thought that was interesting because I was, because growing up, I really wanted to do, um, I don't know if you guys know of this thing that Nigerians do back home called NYSC. It's a national youth service course. So they have to do, once they graduate after, um, before they enter the working world, they spend a year where they're basically like serving the country in a way. And they do like three weeks at a camp um somewhere in Nigeria it's supposed to be like a completely different part from where you've grown up but you know Nigeria and everything people stay home um, and then they spend a year working um in yeah they're supposed to spend a year working but what the what has tended to happen in recent years is a lot of um, people they make they send a lot of these corpus as um teachers but um yeah so they send a lot of these corpus as teachers and then obviously like just because you're a university graduate doesn't mean you should be teaching so growing up I wanted to do that for the longest time I kept thinking okay when I graduate uni I'm probably going to go and because then at least that's a year in Nigeria I get to spend you know building a life for myself there making friends having my own kind of thing but then obviously you get older and you understand how your country works and you realise, hmm, it's not as simple or as straightforward as the process is supposed to be. So I've kind of like for the last, because I've had a few people that I've known actually gone and do that. And I mean, I don't know about you, Khadija, if you've heard um, uh, feedback about it, but I hear mixed responses. Mm, some people mm, really mm, love mm. it. Some people absolutely hate it. Hate it. And I'm not gonna lie; it sounds like something that would stress me out, and I don't. Yeah, really I no like longer want to do it. I no longer. <laughs> so, I remember. I, were you, I really were you considering it at one point too? I was so sure and so yeah. certain I yeah. was going to do it. It was part of the game plan. I'm going yeah. back to serve my country. Power yeah. Now it's, but, sorry, it's and that's the problem. I feel I'm like involved. with a lot of our. I mean, I don't want to speak for other African countries, but I can speak for Nigeria, in the sense that I feel like there's kind of like even if like we did want to go back there's not really a easy route or an easy mm. process to go back and it's like even now like the only saving grace is that once you turn by the time you turn 30 after 30 you don't have to do that so if I did want to go back to Nigeria I could wait till I was after 30 but it's like how can I I because I've been thinking a lot about it like how can I go back to Nigeria not even go back because I was never there to begin with how do I go to Nigeria and like spend like a year and like what do I do and what do I like how do I function essentially how do do I make money as well because because you're coming from here here and going to Nigeria you won't have to do it because the fact that you're coming from the UK that already gives you leverage like that's already if you want to work in like public I think in um like civil service not that I would want. Not that I want to actually work in Nigeria. Let me let me just say. Baby girl, both know <laughs> Nigeria is, is is as corrupt as it gets. Oh I yeah, mean, like it's the rules, but yeah, it's true. I mean, that's I know, how, yeah. I'm yeah, just gonna say. I know yeah, so many people that don't out been, anybody. Don't, don't out know. anybody. They've moved back to Nigeria. They work there, and they they didn't do. Yeah, they didn't do a thing. 
but and, then, um, and also it's so easy to get exempt- exemptions out of it as well like mm-hmm, you just mm-hmm. like hand some doctor's notes some forged doctor's note and then you're out of like the camp and whatnot the whole but, um, place yeah listen i know the whole thing that, is a mess their name is on the list of doing yeah that and, like, and they've never they gone to the state yet. they got someone else to do it the whole place is a mess God. <laughs> but do you know what i th- i think in theory in theory i think the 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 scheme is very would be very ideal and and it would be a great and it would be a great way to build like more intercultural relationships because you're supposed to go to like other parts of Nigeria that you're not from and if you know Nigeria you know we're very separated and tribalistic and all that kind of stuff but you know the Brits came and squashed 200 different types of people together so what do you expect but (laughs) but the whole process is a mess and you know like someone told me oh just get your daddy to tell you to go and stay in Abuja you don't have to go anywhere else I was like okay cool thank you thanks for telling me how to be corrupt so I was asking yeah I'm not gonna ask Aisha and Amina where if they've ever wanted to move because we've had that conversation many many (laughs) times and trust me off the back of my head or hand or whatever the saying is I know both their answers uh I'm right, so don't worry about that. <laughs> if you Fair want, enough. I can tell you. Uh, you want me to tell you? Should, should we see? Go ahead. Let's hear. Okay, let's cool. hear. So for Amina, it's that she. No, okay. Let me do an impression of both of you. So <laughs> let's, start let's start with Amina. Amina's is well for me. I've never really thought about like moving and settling in one place because like I, I've been a traveler and I've kind of like always moved around so like I've never really like had like a uh can move to like set like one place I would rather like go to like different places here and there and hop around the world like a hopscot and I, I just never really, like, um I just never really had the urge to to stay in one place because we live in this unless, world unless a real nomad unless uh, no 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 unless um I settle down and have a family it's good to know you're listening um and then yeah but I've never really had like the urge to go to like one place and say like oh yeah like this is where I want to go because where is home and like (laughs) I feel like you build your home I feel like you build your home. I feel uh, like I've had this conversation already. Yeah, I feel like you build that is your so home. so spot on. Right, so Amran, that's Amina's answer. I should answer <laughs> is, Well, I mean, it's the world that's so accurate. That's how she starts. I have had thoughts of like moving to different places. Why am I so slow? The older I get, the more I realise that I just can't be away from my family. Yes. So, like, I would love to move to, to somewhere else. Like, growing up, like, I used to watch Gossip Girl all the time, and I really had the, the American dream and the New York dream, and I really wanted to move to I've America. not mentioned this on the podcast. But, this is private conversations that you're now bringing into the podcast. You have. This is new information um, to me, but it's so and, funny. Um, <laughs> I would love to... I would love, like, it's, it's, I won't say it's something that I won't do, you know, like, I won't say it's something that I won't do, but the older yeah, I get, the more I realise that I need to be, like, close to my family. So, 
I wouldn't want to go somewhere else and then like my family are here and I, I, I don't have that connection with my family because we are quite um, tight knit and, and I grew up with them. So I wouldn't want to go to another country and um, leave my family behind. But I wouldn't say no to the idea. Um, oh so God. yeah, there you go, man. There's the answer. Thank you for it. this beautiful um, summary. You're welcome. <laughs> the reason why I asked is because yeah, I could give Khadija as well. Pardon? Oh, I know mine. Mine's never changed. Yeah, mine's never changed. Hey, guys, I'm dipping. I'm going Kuwait or Saudi Arabia. We know. Yes, we love yeah. to hear it. That's actually every <laughs> single thing. It. it doesn't I'm go. Just, I'm looking forward to it because then I have someone to go visit and to yeah, stay it with. Yeah, you know, look, vacation. I'd actually rather you all lived in different places, so I had places to stay. In it, hey guys, just meeting another member of TBMG on the other side of the world. Why not? Like being a black Muslim woman, it's actually so hard to say you want to move to certain places without feeling guilty. Because it wasn't mm. up until I, I literally just said to Amran, "Oh, like I would want to go. I wouldn't want to go back home. I would rather go to Kuwait or Nigeria." Even though I said it out loud, I still felt some kind of guilt for saying it out loud. And I realized it's because as a it, it's because a lot of the time when you say you want to move somewhere other than home to the non to the non um to the non-black Muslims, it's like, why would you wanna move why would you wanna move there? Like that's not home, that's not Africa and all of this kind of stuff. And then to the others, to the black Muslims, it's like, okay, but like, why would you want to move to an Arab country where it's racist and all of this kind of stuff? You know what I mean? And I feel like just that, just throughout the whole conversation and hearing what everyone has to say, it kind of just made me feel like, oh my days, like there is actually for some people an element of guilt that comes with saying, I want to move to this specific country and not that and not back home sort of thing and I, and I realised literally as I said it I felt a little bit guilty like oh Khadija so what are you trying to say that these countries are superior to back home but I realised it's not the case I think for me and I've always said this is I would rather be in a Muslim country I'm Muslim first I love my culture don't get it twisted I love my culture a bit um, I love the Nigerian culture and then I just love the African culture I feel like there's a we all have our individual cultures, but then we have the big African culture. We can come together and it's vibesy. However, I'm Muslim first. And I feel like I would rather be in a Muslim country where I know I can practice my deen without being scrutinized than be anywhere else that's just going to give me headache that I don't need, like this silly UK. Not saying that you can't do that back <laughs> in Nigeria, but... Even now, when you look at the state of oh, the dean and that, it's a bit wishy-washy. To be so fair, though, it's, in, it's, a, it's similar in a lot of Muslim countries, though, when you dig yeah, deep, like, like there is going to be... It is, it is, 100%. Yeah. But I feel but like... I, guess, but I, I, I think at the end of the day... Sorry, you go ahead. I was just going to say, if we're being completely honest, yeah, there's going to be wishy-washy in certain Muslim countries, but let's let's even forget about the Arab states and let's just talk about Saudi Arabia. The level of yeah, deen... Yeah, I was going to say, let's not get into this. Arab yeah, do you know what I mean? The, the level of deen and Islamic living that you're going to get in Saudi Arabia is unmatched to anywhere else in the world. 
they, they do have their wishy-washy and they are turning a little bit wayward and all of this kind of stuff that defeats the whole purpose of it being the most holy country in the world. But you're, you're not going to go to Nigeria and get a, 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 a full-on Islamic lifestyle that you would in certain areas of Saudi Arabia and still be able to do your job and all of that kind of stuff. Because let's not pretend there are some companies in Nigeria that tell you you can't come to work with your hijab on. I highly well, you doubt... you can't graduate the bar... Um, you can't graduate yeah, exactly. the bar with your hijab on, I mean, which all of, doesn't make sense. All of that kind of stuff, which, if we're being realistic, highly likely you're going to hear that in Saudi Arabia. Highly likely. Unlikely. Uh, yeah, unlikely. Uh, sorry. Unlikely you'll hear that. <laughs> highly likely. You said it twice. I was like, yeah, no. Highly likely, highly <laughs> unlikely you'll hear something like that in um, Saudi Arabia. This is completely. Would you consider awful. moving to Saudi? Sorry. I mean, you said you knew where I would want to move. Clearly, you don't. No, but you no because you've only mentioned Kuwait and or Qatar or somewhere like that. You never yeah, mentioned Saudi. Yeah, it's always Kuwait, Qatar, and Saudi. Always. Oh no! I mean, has she ever mentioned Saudi? I remember her saying Kuwait. Yeah, I don't. I remember, you never mentioned Saudi. Yeah, yeah Kuwait. Have, you have not Saudi. I've okay, I've listened to episodes. You've never mentioned Saudi. Hey, listen, God, I don't want to travel. <laughs> I, I, I listened to the episodes. I know you haven't said Saudi. I, I remember Saudi. Saudi. I think an interesting theme that's popping up, as, and it's unique to us being black Muslim women, is that the moment we want to move wherever we want to move or settle wherever, there's that automatic guilt because we're actually putting ourselves first. And I think the black women in our families are so used to thinking about the well-being of the rest of the family first before they think about their own personal gain. Whereas for us as diaspora, as black Muslim women in the diaspora, we're in a position where we actually do have the option to move wherever or choose to see wherever as home. From a personal perspective as an individual first, I don't think our parents had that same access for, for a certain part of their lives. It was always like, oh, I need to move here, but is it going to be good for my kids, my partner, this, that, this family here, that family here? I think we're actually in an interesting situation. We're like, oh, yeah, I want to move to Kuwait or Saudi or wherever because I can do this and I can do that. And you can actually put yourself first. And I think by saying it out loud, we almost do feel a level of guilt because it's like, oh, rah, like, really? I can actually move somewhere and settle somewhere for me first? That's interesting. I don't remember that being a normal thing. And I'm, I think that's maybe sometimes like when you're when you're saying Khadija, like I felt a bit of guilt even saying that I wouldn't want to go back home, but I would I wouldn't I wouldn't want to live in Nigeria permanently, but I wouldn't mind moving to Saudi. The fact that even when you said that out loud, you felt guilty. I was like, rah, like could that be one of many reasons as to why you might feel that level of guilt? Like I'm actually moving somewhere where I'm putting myself first and my survival and my upbringing and how I want to live my life first before other people necessarily. I don't know. That's just something I picked up on. Good question, but I would say no, only because I can't make... Uh, the decision I'm making is based on who Khadija is now, if that makes sense. So I mm-hmm. can't feel guilty for the people that aren't in my life, which is my partner, yeah. all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I can't necessarily feel yeah. guilty because they're not here to make me feel guilty. These these thoughts and these decisions mm-hmm. are Khadija now. 
they probably will change when um, a, a partner gets in the picture. Actually, no, they won't. <laughs> Sorry. They have to adapt. They have to adapt because once you have they someone else in the situation, you yeah, will have to we're in a better decision. We're in a better position to do. No, to make I said that I just meant you as a couple will have to adapt both your dreams because there's yeah. two of you coming together. Both he, God knows what his dreams are. But we have we have a sort of privilege where we can actually think about those things. We're not operating from a place of survival as much as let's say our families did. We're actually able to think about that, like, oh yeah, imagine what if my partner, or you know, this and that, and you're able to consider a number of options. Um, despite the the way we have to navigate wherever we go as black people, as black Muslims, etc., we have an interesting perspective in the sense that we can actually consider those options comfortably we're not in it we're not considering those options like oh if i don't think about this now then i'm not going to survive where i am here right now it's like oh you know it's something we can think about but worse comes to worse i'll stay here until i figure it out i don't think our parents had that same privilege in, in a lot of ways i don't think they had like oh if i stay here i don't know if i'm going to survive so now i have to think like my kids have to survive this, this and that i can't afford to delay that whereas i think a lot of the things that we're discussing in terms of how we um, view home and what our potential plans could be in the future in terms of where we would want to live etc we have a, we have we're in an interesting situation where we've our connection to different places of what we could call home is very unique in our own ways but we do have that privilege to choose like oh yeah this will be a nice place to explore or this will be a nice place to settle for xyz reasons we're not operating from survival in the same way I think that it's also down to then maybe because like you were saying earlier on about globalization and the fact that we might have more access to travel and the privilege to travel now so we're seeing things but we're also seeing things either ourselves or through other people through social media so we are seeing okay someone that looks like me is living it up in this country without like without feeling the same way that we do potentially by living here as a black Muslim woman for instance so I get your point there I do get it, yeah. Amran, we have um, three quick fire questions for you. And I only yeah, yeah, okay. um, so cool. Number one, what is three principles that you can't live without? Values, morals, uh, principles, whatever. My dean, religion. I don't think I could live without religion. Um, I'd say my mum is a massive part of me. Um, and the reason why I'm here, what I do, I do everything pretty much for her. Um, and then mm, the third one, that's kind of difficult, you know. <laughs> um, I really like just, mm, okay, this is a hard one. I, I have a top two, but I don't know what my third one is. This is difficult. Hey, uh, do you know what? I, I don't think I could have done without access to books and reading that's pretty much like how I've developed myself like as a kid how I got through school properly without like any extra support I was always into my books it's probably the reason why I speak the way I do how I communicate with people <laughs> honestly I'm gonna say so without yeah books I don't right now it's not as key as the key part of my life but I'd say it has been for a very long time so it might sound boring no. but, um Next one is what's one thing that those like what's one quality that everyone around you must have? 
I really believe in honesty. I think that's such a key part of people because I think, you, you know, people can be kind, people might not be as kind as you, but I think honesty is a really key part of it and that spans around so many aspects of someone's personality. So I think honesty is really important for me. Yeah. It can be a deal breaker, not gonna lie, especially when it comes to guys like, sorry, but not this sorry. Oh, I, I love honesty and transparency. Oh my yes. God, don't talk to me if you don't have that. Get out of here. Mm, exactly. Um, third question. What's mm-hmm. one thing that makes you happy? Mm, I think being able to help other people makes me happy. Like I, I can give without expecting back because mm. I know I'm doing it out of the goodness of my heart as someone who's able to do it so I think that's something that's so key to my life just being able to help in whatever form it could be very small or very big but yeah that makes me really happy to see someone else smile as well like and that brings us to the end of our podcast, guys, with A. Can I get... Okay, guys, guys, look. When I say can I get an A, I shot an amino. repeat after me. Let's go. Can I get an A? A. Can I get an M? M. Can I get an R? R. Can I get an A? A. Can I get an N? <laughs> can I get I can't roll my R's. <laughs> you got all the celebrations we could think of in every culture. There we go. There we go. <laughs> But thank you so much, Amran, for being. To celebrate, this is some Muhammad Duke. Muhammad Duke stopped. I don't know how I feel about that because he was supposed to perform at my wedding, so he oh needs to behave God. himself. I don't know who that is. I'm Somali. Being of a dunya too, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what was he thinking? Oh, yeah, he likes Somali music. I love Somali music. Sorry, I think it's slapped. I'll say that any day. Thank you so much as well for having me. I really appreciate it. And Absolutely before actually pleasure. we finish, well done on them 10,000 listens, views, whatever you want to call it. Thank you. Thank you guys Thank you. for the support. We appreciate Honestly, it. We love Thank to you see everyone it. that actually listens to us. Like, I'm like, yeah, it blows my mind that like we actually have people that listen you guys are amazing like, I mean that's not why. that we actually have people, but it's just it's just like you know when you see the numbers it doesn't quite compute in my head that like there's people behind it a lot so, of people like yeah thank you so much everybody like literally the you. other day and we went through all the countries that um that that we have listeners in and some of the countries that was coming up on that list I was like what is going right, like, you like out here now we, like, we were in <laughs> India Bangladesh yeah, Bangladesh um Bulgaria, Uzbekistan. Your Somali, your Somali fam is coming through yeah. as well. Kenya, <laughs> Kenya, Tanzania, Angola, That's Argentina. Amazing. 
was out morning. here like, rah, you lot are listening to us waffle like this, you know? Yeah, like, <laughs> Malaysia, there was some Maldives, there was some mad countries on that list. I was so surprised that, whoa. Yeah, so thank you guys, like, it blows my yeah, mind, like, it really does. Like, if you see, like, how we're recording in our bedrooms, like, it's just, it's just crazy. <laughs> so think that you're listening. But yeah, it was thank really you. lovely having you, Amran. So Loved having you on here. So thank much, you so ladies. Much. Thanks for having me. Again. Don't be a stranger. Just call me anytime. I'll be there. <laughs> call me, beat me. If you want to reach me, call me. me. Da, 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 da. Whatever you need me, baby. Wherever you are. Okay, that's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs>